Hello and welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 236. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. Dialing in from uh, the other side of the world for this podcast and video record. Well done and greetings. Thank you so much from me, the Moonshots family, as well as our members for being able to get into the record and keep our scheduling going. Well done, Mike. (laughs) Thank you, mate. This feels like an intergalactic, intercontinental session of the Moonshots podcast. And despite all the gusto and confidence, Mike, I'm feeling maybe just a little vulnerable. Well, I couldn't argue with you there because a lot of us, as we're moving around, maybe even trying to record or learn our shows uh, from the other side of the world, might feel a little bit vulnerable. And that's okay because the truth is, Mike, as I think we're going to find out in today's show, that's pretty common because we have Brené Brown coming at us with her book, or actually I should say CD, an audio book, The Power of Vulnerability, Mike, which is all about teachings on authenticity, connection, and courage. This is a pretty, um, it's overdue, I think it's fair to say, Mike, isn't it? An overdue show for I feel we have to start the show with an act of vulnerability and saying we should have released this show years ago, Mark. I mean, (laughs) this this talk that was originally Brene on TED ages and ages ago, like a decade ago, Mm -hmm. um, catapulted her to fame. She'd been studying for decades vulnerability, courage, guilt, shame, authenticity, some amazing topics that we don't don't talk about enough as a society. She put this talk out there and everyone went like, oh, my gosh, I'm feeling that. And uh, we've been rather slack, Mark. But um, if people want to know um, how to make sense of the world, I think acceptance and understanding that we are not perfect. Every single person has imperfections. Um, Every single person is okay to admit that because from there you can be a better you, you can have better friendships, relationships, you can have great uh, sense of belonging in teams and in your community and it starts with understanding the power of vulnerability, Mark, I am so glad we have finally, <laughs> finally got here uh, as we stumble five years later to a show that we should have done very, very early. I mean, it's crazy to think we've done so many other Brené shows, but not this one. So, Mark, I'm, right. I'm ready. Uh, let's get in there. Let's kind of set yeah. the tone, you know. Like, let's talk about something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough. I totally agree. And and this word, this idea, this theme of vulnerability can be interpreted in a number of different ways. And a lot of us will probably go through a lot of our days or time trying to avoid it. So let's hear from Brené Brown discussing the idea of uh, vulnerability, as well as struggles with Krista Tippett, and how we should all be spending our time taking a little bit more out of it and creating connections. Feeling vulnerable, imperfect, and afraid. Feeling vulnerable, imperfect, and afraid is human. It's when we lose our capacity to hold space for these struggles that we become dangerous. And it seemed to me that that's one way to describe what is happening in our culture and our political life. We have no space to be honest about that, to be vulnerable, to be imperfect and afraid together. And it's become dangerous. No, we don't, you know, 
on a micro level as individuals, we're not our best selves in fear. And collectively, we're certainly not our best selves when we're in fear. I'm thinking we've grown weary of that. I think we're sick of being afraid. And I think there's a silent, a growing silent majority of people who are really kind of thinking at a very basic human level, I don't want to spend my days like this. I don't want to spend every ounce of energy I have ducking and weaving. Mm-hmm. I don't know where we'll go next, but I really believe with every fiber of my professional and personal self that we won't move forward without some honest conversations about who we are when we're in fear and what we're capable of doing to each other when we're afraid. Right. It's not just that the things that go wrong for us are part of our wholeness, right? As you described, the the vulnerability is what makes us, keeps us in. But also that what goes wrong for us is part of our gift to the world. It's what enables us to connect and be compassionate. And I mean, that's a, lovely way to think about, you know, the hard, possibly excruciating upside of the fact that so many of us are struggling and suffering right now. I agree 100%. And I think it points to maybe one of the, the, the deepest paradoxes about vulnerability, which is when I meet you, vulnerability is the very first thing I try to find in you. And it's the very last thing I want to show you in me. Mm. Because it's the glue that holds connection together. It's, it's all about our common humanity. Mm-hmm. And when we own our stories and we share our stories with one another and we see ourselves reflected back in the stories of people in our lives, we know we're not alone. And to me, that's the heart of wholeheartedness. It's the, it's the center of spirituality. To me, that's the nature of connection. To be able to see myself and, and hear myself and learn more about myself in the stories you tell about your experiences. Well, Mark, this one is big, right? And it's that was so cutting when she says the first thing you do when you meet someone is you look for the vulnerability, <laughs> but yet it's the last yeah. thing you want to show yourself. I think, yeah. the, I think the idea there is what we don't appreciate is it is the power to say, I'm not perfect. I'm experiencing mm. challenge or fear, failure, whatever it is. Our inability to express that for fear of looking weak or not being yes. someone that others want to be around or with, our fear of actually sharing that is the very thing that is preventing the connection with others because everyone's feeling it, right? We just got to start talking about it. Yeah, there's there's that horrible irony, isn't there? If only this person would, you know, bring down their barriers, they're probably thinking the same about us. Yes. You know, I wish Mark was a little bit more relaxed. I wish he was able to hear me a little bit better rather than keeping up this closed guard. And I think it's it's very common, Mike. I, I think it's certainly in our formulative stages of careers and so on going to be something that you run into. But the truth is, I have a feeling, Mike, that it exists in all of us. 
every day, even those who are super successful, even those who you and I and our listeners and, and members might be looking at saying, I wish we could emulate them. They're going to be equally as uncomfortable, equally as um, maybe unstable is the wrong word, but you know, feeling a little bit less confident in the foundation that they have. And this is such a nice awakening moment for me. Yeah. As we hear this breakdown from Brené and saying, it's okay. You don't need to be perfect. Instead, if you can actually embrace that vulnerability, that's one step closer to getting perfect. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I, I think we see this in ourselves. Whenever you're asked, how are you doing? We invariably answer the question. Like when people say, hey, how are you? Good. Yeah. But, but are you? Yeah. <laughs> how can it be? How can it be that so many people, so many times a day, say, Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Mm. <laughs> it's like, are you really? Do you using yeah. this diagram that you've got up here? Uh, do you have the courage to say, uh, yeah, I was planning to do a run this morning and I didn't get there. Yeah. That's a little yeah. bit imperfect. Um you know, be who you are. I mean, this was another one, like getting comfortable in your own skin is such a big process. Like mm. for me, Mark, uh, an example of that is I always really up until my mid thirties, you know, I kind of wore clothes that I think were expected of me in my roles mm. in companies. And then, mm. you know, somewhere like 10 years ago, I was like, no, I'm just going to wear clothes that I think are the most natural expression of who I really am, right? Yeah. And that took that, that took me thirty five years, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be comfortable with your clothes, but I, I, I think I, I think I know where you're going with this, Mike. It's that expectation that you think other people have of you, and I think that's the interesting um, build or differentiation or distinction, I should say, right. that exists for me. Because you're right, a lot of this stuff we're kind of putting on ourselves on other people. So you're probably right. There probably was an expectation a while ago for the boss to turn up in, let's say, a suit, he's best dressed. But over the years, I bet most of the employees were probably thinking, oh, it doesn't make any difference to me. Yeah. <laughs> something yeah. that you force on yourself, isn't it? Yeah. And if you go, go a bit further with this, here's another example of where you see it. Um, it's with parenting. And it's to this point here where you talk about compassion to be kind to ourselves and to others. And I think that the, the compassion, Carol Dweck talks a lot about growth mindset and parenting and this idea of, um, you know, being imperfect and vulnerability. And I think the key thing that you will see from the work of Carol Dweck and growth mindset, which by the way, if you want to learn more about it, just head over to moonshots.io. We did a whole show on that. It's a huge favorite with you, our listeners, our members and viewers. But with growth mindset, one of the key insights in parenting is to always acknowledge the input rather than the output. The compassion towards children is done in rewarding their effort, the input they put into things, and not 
identifying exclusively with the result. And I'll, I'll walk you through what I mean. Oh, little Jimmy got an A in the exam. Yay for Jimmy. It's an A. You're a, you are very smart. You are amazing. That is a very dangerous thing because, Mark, what happens when, and it will happen because we know life is not perfect. Mm. What happens when little Jimmy gets a B? Well, he's going to be expecting some kind of similar reaction. But you you paint yourself into a corner as a parent, I imagine. Exactly. Mm. Mm. So, so what they, if you just go into the work of Carol Dweck and you go into the work of Brené Brown, they say, no, 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 you put your attention on the effort. If you did your best, then you can totally accept whatever the outcome. Yeah. And I will, I will, as a parent to you, my child, I will love you irregardless of the outcomes. And I will always be compassionate and encouraging you on your efforts. And this is really where you give everyone a break. And I think just to take this, flip this totally around, Mark, because I'm so excited about this topic, is <laughs> where we're very ruthless socially mm-hmm. is at work if someone's not getting the results. But I always think it's important to look for effort first because if someone is putting in the effort and not getting the result, then it's probably their environment or their context. We talk a lot about in teams that if someone is meant to be the goalkeeper and they're playing in the forward position, then chances are they're not going to get results despite their effort. Yeah. And yeah. Where I'm going with this is we can be we can spend a lot of energy being afraid of judgment of ourselves for not performing or giving out a lot of negative judgment of others because we don't have what's on this screen right here is the compassion to be kind to others and ourselves. And if we give ourselves a break, do you know what I think is really interesting, Mark? Invariably, I think mm. we'll give others a break too. I I think you're totally right, Mike. And this really starts, and again, it's a reminder, isn't it, that this all starts from ourselves. Mm. We have to be able to work on ourselves and really reflect the mirror and think, okay, well, am I being vulnerable? What makes me feel really uncomfortable? And obviously, we'll explore this a lot more in the rest of the show as well. But I think that that first clip has really sparked us, hasn't it? It's really got us thinking about this idea of vulnerability. And and to be honest, Mike, the possibility of actually utilizing it in a different way. Oh, yeah. I think there's a great strength yes. with vulnerability. Obviously, it's a protective um, nature. But I think what Brené is really inviting us to do within this um, audio book, within the speech, as well as in that first clip, is getting us comfortable with being able to admit it yep. and say, yep. you know what, sometimes, yeah, I'm vulnerable. And yep. that's okay because straight away, if I'm talking to you or a colleague or a friend, chances are they're going to say, yeah, you know what, me too. And suddenly there's that connection. Suddenly there's that emotional bridge that connects two people. I think here's the good news for all of our listeners. You don't have to be superwoman. You don't have to be Superman. You can just be yourself. And hopefully as everybody's listening, like a huge weight is taken off your shoulders. And you just got to be comfortable putting yourself out there a little bit. You do that and others will give back in return. And that's very, very 
precisely what our members do for us here at the Moonshots podcast. That's exactly right, Mike. Individuals who I would say maybe they're they're vulnerable, maybe they're willing to to notice it and reflect on it. But one thing they're definitely doing, Mike, is uh, learning out loud with us. They are joining us week in week out with the Moonshots podcast and the master series which we'll tease in a little bit more in a second but before we get into all of that good stuff and all that meaty stuff mike i think it's time for me to dust off that imaginary trumpet and welcome our members bob marjoline ken dietmar marjan connor rodrigo and lisa sid mr bonjour paul berg calman joe christian samuela barbara and andre eric chris deborah lasse steve craig daniel and andrew Ravi, Yvette, Karen, and Raul, all of whom are our annual members. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in every time. PJ, Nicoada, Ola, Ingram, Dirk, and Emily are hot on those heels, as well as Harry, Karthik, Venkata, and Marco, Jet, Roger, Anna, Raw, Nimelen, Diana, Christoph, and Denise, Laura, Smitty, Corey, Bertram, Daniela, Mike, Dan, and Antonio, Vanessa, Zachary, Brian, Katty, Austin, and our brand new member, Fred. Thank you so much, Fred, for joining us as part of the Moonshot members family. Yes, we're super grateful. We really appreciate the support because that really helps us take care of all the the back end of this big production, getting us out on every single platform, all sorts of technology and editing and Ah, just when you think you don't need any more technology services to run the show market, there's always a new one that you need. Um, and we do appreciate the support. And when you do become a member of the show, it literally costs you one cup of coffee per month and you get a whole new show, a whole new podcast round. It's called the Master Series. And uh, we've got a back catalog now, I think, Mark, of 26 different Master Series they're all yours for the taking. So head over to moonshots.io, hit the big members button, get busy with putting yourself out there and learning out loud with everybody else. We would deeply appreciate it. And as you build this awareness for being the best version of yourself, mm. and as you think about doing that on our website, you can also do that with us right now because we've got more to go in our work with Miss Brené Brown. Well, look, if we're thinking about how many struggles we probably uh, individually run into each day, Mike, that can feel a little bit maybe overwhelming. And the truth is that sometimes we we, we just want to shut it out, don't we? So before we do any of that, though, let's hear from Brené, who's now going back to Ted, and she's going to break down a little bit around uh, expectations and helping us become aware, not numb. Why? Do we struggle with it so much? Am I alone in struggling with vulnerability? No. So this is what I learned. We numb vulnerability. When we're waiting for the call, it was funny. I sent something out on Twitter and on Facebook that says, how would you define vulnerability? What makes you feel vulnerable? And within an hour and a half, I had 150 responses. Because um, I wanted to know, you know, what, what's out there? having to ask my husband for help because I'm sick and we're newly married, um, initiating sex with my husband, initiating sex with my wife, being turned down, asking someone out, waiting for the doctor to call back, getting laid off, laying off people. This is the world we live in. We live in a vulnerable world. Um, and one of the ways we deal with it is we numb vulnerability. 
And I think there's evidence, and it's not the only reason this evidence exists, but I think that there, it's a, a, a huge cause. We are the most in debt, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in US history. The problem is, and I learned this from the research, that you cannot selectively numb emotion. You can't say, here's the bad stuff. Here's vulnerability, here's grief, here's shame, here's fear, here's disappointment. I don't wanna feel these. I'm gonna have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. <laughs> I don't wanna feel these. And I know that's, no, I know that's knowing laughter. I, I hack into your lives for a living. I know that's, <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other affects or emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy. We numb gratitude. We numb happiness. And then we are miserable and we are looking for purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. And it becomes this dangerous cycle. Um, one of the things that I think that we need to think about is why and how we numb. And it doesn't just have to be addiction. The other thing we do is we make everything that's uncertain, certain. Religion has gone from a belief in faith and mystery to certainty. I'm right, you're wrong, shut up. That's it. Just certain. The more afraid we are, the more vulnerable we are, the more afraid we are. This is what politics looks like today. There's no discourse anymore. There's no conversation. There's just blame. You know, what blame, you know how blame is described in the research? A way to discharge pain and discomfort. We perfect. If there's anyone who wants their life to look like this, it would be me. But it doesn't work. Because what we do is we take fat from our butts and put it in our cheeks. <laughs> Which just, I hope in 100 years, people will look back and go, wow. You know. um, and we perfect, most dangerously, our children. Let me tell you what we think about children. They're hardwired for struggle when they get here. When you hold those perfect little babies in your hand, our job is not to say, look at her, she's perfect. My job is just to keep her perfect, make sure she makes the tennis team by fifth grade and Yale by seventh grade. <laughs> That's not our job. Our job is to look and say, you know what? You're imperfect and you're wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. Wow. She kind of stole some of my parenting ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good build. Which is fascinating because it totally correlates with the work of Carol Dweck, but also to, um, I mean, talk about confrontational ideas of like how we cope mm -hmm. with it, but also to show the consequence. Did you notice like we want to be certain and we want to judge? We're almost the angrier we are on the outside, the more vulnerability we're experiencing yeah. uh, on the inside. And I think that this goes back to something we just touched on a little bit, which is if we can all accept that we don't have to be perfect, then we'll mm -hmm. be able, better able to do that with others. Oh, because yes. Particularly, regardless of the pursuit, if someone did their best, mm. 
and the result wasn't what we wanted, then if we just inverse the situation where you did your best and didn't get the result, surely you would want to still be accepted. You want to, you would want to have the compassion yeah. of others if you didn't get the result, but you worked your hardest. Mm. Okay, right? Okay. Mm. I, th- I think this this conversation around effort versus attainment is is spot on, actually, because let's say you spend all day long doing a project and you think, you know, this is this is I've worked hard. I've worked really hard on this and I'm excited to kind of turn it in. Let's see what happens. They might turn around and say, oh, it's completely wrong or might turn around and say, oh, yeah, we didn't need it in the end. That lack of um, uh, result or that that lack of reception. I think is what really can damage not only uh, confidence, but also a desire to just be part of the team. You know, that comfort of being in a space where you are able to express yourself and be yourself. Once you start, unfortunately, living through some of those, I think what's quite natural is you turn away yes. and you get demotivated. Yeah. In fact, you're probably going to start doing what we've got behind us on the screen. Mm-hmm. You're going to start numbing your emotions, trying to make those uncertainties certain, as Brené was, was pointing out in that show and in the clip we've just seen, blame, trying to make everything perfect and pretending and hiding the fact that those actions don't affect others. I think, Mike, what we're really starting to to scratch the surface maybe quite deeply into now is this idea that vulnerability is quite dangerous. I think it's something that we all experience and can be part of, but it's something that we don't want to keep under the rug. It's one of those things that I think the more you leave it alone and you try and cover it, exactly as Brené was saying, medication, drink, whatever. There's obviously other forms of addiction too. I think that's when it becomes maybe less manageable. It becomes so big that it's something you don't want to delay yes. addressing anymore. Yeah, so yeah. Why not start addressing now? Yeah. Now, I think you'd be right uh, to forgive our members, viewers and listeners right now if they're like, you know, Moonshots is usually quite inspiring and in the search of answers <laughs> and they may have feel that we have gone into the valley of darkness here mark i think they're thinking what what's wrong with what happened when mike travels abroad this show takes on a dark atmosphere well rest assured we do have some very good answers for you and i think mark that this next clip really starts to show us how to take this idea of being vulnerable you know with the themes of compassion and acceptance and how we might turn that into a force for good You got it, Mike. So let's jump straight in. The book title is right here for us, The Power of Vulnerability. Let's hear how we can actually turn vulnerability even into a superpower. Times of vulnerability will will inevitably show up to balance out the good times in life. And as humans, we've evolved some pretty unhealthy ways of dealing with them. We may mask our vulnerability beneath other negative emotions like anger and jealousy, deny it in order to convince ourselves and others that we are okay, or even blame our problems entirely on external sources. These walls we build around our weak spots can protect us from being badly hurt, but the longer we work to hold them up, the more we allow our vulnerabilities to grow within us, snowballing into something more sinister, like feelings of self-hatred, despair, and even apathy, which can leave us prone to depression. But believe it or not, there are ways to transform vulnerability into something that gives us strength to go forward instead of holding us back. 
Here are three steps to turning vulnerability into a superpower. One, change your mindset. That means stop playing the victim. It's tough, love, but only when you stop using vulnerability as an excuse to feel sorry for yourself can you take responsibility for your situation and change it. Instead of ruminating on your misfortune, move towards a mindset of acceptance. That means deeply acknowledging a painful situation and your personal role in bringing it about, without allowing these things to define your identity. Sure, a bad thing may be happening to you now, but it is not characteristic of you. When you identify your own self-harming behavior, you acknowledge that you have the power to change it, and that's when you start to take control as a superhero, rather than a damsel in distress. 2. Tear down those walls. Reach out to others and share your story. When you stop playing the victim, you stop looking to others for consolation. And as a result, people will feel safer sharing their ideas because they won't feel responsible for fixing you. So stop expecting others to swoop in and save you, and instead, use them as a source of inspiration. You'll find that more people can relate to you than you think, and once you realize that you're not the only one carrying this burden, you'll feel its weight lift from your shoulders and a sudden surge of power that allows you to move forward. That's the moment your vulnerability turns into a superpower. 3. Commit to the new mindset You might expect your brand new superpower to make you positively unstoppable, but think again. As any comic book will tell you, even being a superhero requires hard work and maintenance. Small, continuous efforts are required to prevent negative feelings from snowballing again, especially if you're prone to mental illness. A good mindfulness routine is the perfect countermeasure. When you feel that victim mentality creeping up again, try doing some stream-of-consciousness journaling, gratitude journaling, meditation, and track your sleep to ensure you get those 8 hours. These strategies lead to a heightened awareness of the good things in life that when recognized on a daily basis can stop you from falling victim to vulnerability. Wow, that was like a stroll through uh, the mindfulness lessons that I yes. think we've consolidated uh, on the show over the last years. Mm. And what was interesting, what I really liked about that build on Brené's work there was there was a little bit of this theme of stop blaming things outside of you, around you. Mm. And in the spirit of whether it's Yucca Willink or David Goggins, accept full and complete ownership because that's where the empowerment comes from. Because then you can say, hey, it's on me. It wasn't perfect. I need to be better. And what is crazy to think, for this incredible, soulful intelligence of Brené Brown is you see that her work directly connects with that of the almost abrasive nature of a David Goggins. They're effectively coming from the same place, ownership, absolute ownership for you, for yourself, to say that it's not yeah. good enough. Like if you listen to this, it's not good enough. It's on me. I need to do better and I'm okay with that. That could be said perhaps with a few more F-bombs from Goggins or in the <laughs> fantastic storytelling techniques of Brene Brown. Either way, it's the same story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think you're totally right, Mike. It is the same uh, idea around ownership. Again, we've, we've run into this a lot and it really sparks our imagination, doesn't it? It gets us going because it reminds me just how little practice or 
or education was focused on this idea when when we were kids. And it's really, it is that superpower, exactly as we just saw in that uh, animated clip just then. If you can take ownership, if you can control or at least observe those emotions that we all experience, sometimes it's vulnerability, sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's greed, whatever it might be, and reflect on them, recognize them, put them in, into your control. Suddenly, Mike, exactly as we've discussed on the show before, when it comes from Simon Sinek or Michael Bungastania, if you put into practice uh, work on yourself, you can be more clear-headed, you can be calmer, you can be maybe a little bit more patient, not only with others, but also with yourself. I think the result is going to be somebody who's much more single-minded, yes. somebody who's much more focused and go out and deliver, don't you think? So check this out. I don't know why I'm thinking about it. We did a show on Bill Belichick, a uh, famous, yes. um, you know, most successful coach in the NFL. And he has talked about this topic that a lot of sports coaches are not doing at the moment, particularly the professional ones under a lot of pressure. So have you noticed that in sports games, if there are really high, uh, if they're a really important game and their teams are very equal and then there's a decision by a referee or umpire towards the end of the game that is controversial, it's a matter of interpretation. How many people do exactly what Brene was talking about? They attack the referee. Sometimes the coach, the losing coach, blames the referee for the result. Okay. Now, so this is something we've all seen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So work with me. What Bill Belichick says, let's say his team got beaten on the buzzer by a penalty kick given to the other team, and let's say – that that penalty was unfairly awarded. His wisdom is the following. He accepts the result and he says, we should never have let the game get that close anyway. That's the real, that's the real problem. The fact that we were not 10 points ahead, that we were yeah. the same score or too close, that's actually – an act of vulnerability because he's saying, well, mm. we let it get too close. We let circumstances affect our outcome because we didn't go for the extra points we could have gone for in the middle of the game. We got a bit too comfortable, right? Yeah. Now, this kind of thinking is something we all see in professional sports where coaches are like, ah, oh, blame the referee. But really, if the team, <laughs> if they had coached the team better, they would have been ahead by such a margin that it would have been – like by the bar, yeah. whether that penalty happened. I think- the- Yeah, that's just perfect ownership, isn't it? Yeah. Just say, oh, well, yeah. I, 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 we are, you know, it, the thinking kind of goes like this. I'm coaching a team in a sport with humans and referees. There's humans all over the place. So we know anything can happen and it's not perfect. It's not like a computer. It's humans. So I should have coached the team to avoid a situation where we were too close. And that's on me. Yeah. We weren't good enough to be. 10 points ahead, we were the same score and circumstances worked against us. That is part of the system and I wasn't prepared for that system. I could have been better. That is vulnerability. That's the growth mindset. And if we have the courage to say 
that rather than it was clearly not a penalty. That referee yeah. doesn't know what they're doing. They should be fired. There should be a commission into this referee. This is terrible. Put your energy into, you know what? It's too close. Should have been mm. better. I'll be better next time. Mm. And, that, and that Bill Belichick um, example, what probably happened, Mike, was, I mean, we, we, we did a show on him. That trust, that authenticity, admiration, that his team as well as the fans and followers would have felt is down partly to his ability to raise a hand and say, hey, we, we should have tried a bit better. Yeah. I think that's a good, you're right. That's a perfect little demonstration and build to showcase what we can achieve yes. if we're comfortable yeah. saying, okay, that wasn't my best effort. Or if it was, that's okay. I'm happy with it. Yes. Just by removing those boundaries rather than pointing the finger, creating that glue of connection, as Brené calls it, it does sound this sounds like the world I want to live in, Mike. Can't everybody just be like Bill Belichick? Yeah, and this is where we have a call to arms, which is, you know, maybe tone down the judgment, maybe t- tone down the judging of others or being uh, being more compassionate to other circumstances. Like the classic thing is if your sports team that you love doesn't do well, just imagine how they feel. If they've let yeah. people down, then let themselves down. Do they really need me to like pile on the dirt when they're already, <laughs> you know, when you see like, you know, like yeah. in a World Series final and the last game and the losing team and like, particularly when it's not your team, but you just look at, you just like, oh, those poor guys, like, look how, look how broken they are. Or, you know, I was watching the Australian uh, women's soccer team and they did really well in the World Cup, but they just couldn't win the cup. And, you know they were so um, they were so disappointed, right? And you know you as a fan were so disappointed. But it's all about like you could tell they gave everything. And I think oh, yeah. if you turn it back on ourselves, if we give everything, we only would want others to be compassionate about the result and the judgment. It's this whole idea that Brené gets so perfectly in digging up this classic idea of the man in the arena, right? That's right, Mike. So let's hear from Brené one more time today in our show on the power of vulnerability. But Brené reminding us that to really grow, we've got to be brave and we've got to step into that arena. So I get out my laptop and I do a search for who was president in the United States during the Downton Abbey era. Have you ever done that? Like you, you're numbing with TV or a movie, and so when it's over, you just like stay in that space by like learning more about the actors and what's going on. Um, I've been doing this long enough to know this is like you're laughing with me, not at me. Um, so I put it in, and Theodore Roosevelt comes up, and a quote comes up, and I read it, and this is what it says. It's a quote from a speech that he gave in the early 1900s at the Sorbonne. And a lot of people call it the man in the arena speech. And this is the passage that changes my life. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and dust, who at the best, in the end, knows the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, If he fails, he fails daring greatly. So the moment that I read that, I closed my laptop, and this is what shifted in me. Three huge things. First, 
I spent the last 12 years studying vulnerability. And that quote was everything I know about vulnerability. It is not about winning. It's not about losing. It's about showing up and being seen. The second thing, this is who I want to be. I want to create. I want to make things that didn't exist before I touched them. I want to show up and be seen in my work and in my life. And if you're going to show up and be seen, there is only one guarantee, and that is you will get your ass kicked. That is the guarantee. That's the only certainty you have. If you're going to go in the arena and spend any time in there whatsoever, especially if you've committed to creating in your life, you will get your ass kicked. So you have to decide at that moment, I think for all of us, if courage is a value that we hold, this is a consequence. You can't avoid it. The third thing, which really set me free, and I think Steve, my husband, would argue has made me somewhat dangerous, is kind of a new philosophy about criticism, which is this. If you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. <laughs> Period. That's it. You know, I, I, you know, if you have constructive information, feedback to give me, I want it. And you know, I'm an academic. I'm hardwired for wrestling around with stuff like that. If you say, hey, you forgot all this literature, or hey, you should have done this, or terrible sentence construction over here. Like, let's go, let's, let's do it. I love that. But if you're in the cheap seats, not putting yourself on the line, and just talking about how I could do it better, I'm in no way interested in your feedback. Oh boy. Okay. Getting, it's a classic. <laughs> getting your ass kicked. Okay. Again, I love drawing this parallel between um, Goggins and Brown. Goggins says the greatest competitor in life that you will ever face is life itself. Mm. Life is tough. Life is hard. And if you want to be the best version of yourself, get ready, as Brene says, to get your ass kicked. Do you know, yeah. I? it took me more than 20 years to get my head around this idea. For the first 20 years of my life, I was so, so scared of getting my ass kicked mm. that I would avoid things if the potential or the threat of failure was somewhat imminent. I was on the ejector said, get me out of there. I do not want to fail that uncertainty. Mm. I don't want to look bad. So unless I was freakily talented and could kind of, you know, get away with um, uh, things, if it required hard work and diligence, like I ran for the hills because I was yeah. so scared of getting my butt kicked. But once you realize life is all about getting your butt kicked, life is all about <laughs> getting up after you fall down, that is actually what it is about and that every single human on the planet is experiencing this. Those that flourish accept it. Mm. They talk about it and they work on it. This is, for me, not only the work of Brene Brown, but this is exactly what we're about on the Moonshots podcast, is learning out loud every time each and every one of us falls over, here's how you get up, and here's how you get up to be bigger, better, stronger, and faster. Mike, I, I think you've put that perfectly. I totally agree. That clip and that quote, in fact, the whole show has really spoken to me specifically around 
acceptance, this idea of not running from fear of failure. You know, there's probably been times in my life where I have not taken on, let's say, additional responsibilities or jobs or tried something a little bit unusual. Mark, Mark, we would need a whole show for me to give you the list of things I ran away from. (laughs) We'll build to it. We'll build to it. (laughs) But I mean, how much volume has this spoken? I mean, the, the idea of vulnerability to me now, Mike, it just feels a little bit less scary. Sure. It feels a little bit more like I want to go out and talk to people in the street and say, hey, you know what keeps me up at night? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name's Mark. I'm feeling really vulnerable. Here's yeah. the list of things. A, B, C, D. So what are you going to work on, Mark? What's what's the homework assignment for you? I, I First of all, I think I'm going to uh, dig up the... Um, the Theodore Roosevelt quote and and maybe print it out and put it on my wall. I think that's a really nice mantra to really remember. Um, but actually, I, I really like the third animation clip that we saw from Psych2Go, which provided those three steps to try and really create a habit around this idea. So, you know, if, if you don't remember, it was change your mindset, tear down those walls, as well as commit to that new mindset. So those are the three uh, I suppose I'm getting three in one there, Mike. Yeah, but- <laughs> cheating, Mark. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but that's that's going to stick with me today. What about you? Which one's standing out? Um, I think uh, the self compassion. Like, yeah, you don't have to be Superman. That's going to continue to be the homework for me. Yeah. Good, it's huh? a lifelong dream oh. and journey. Oh, oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Mark, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you for bringing us those amazing clips and charts. And thank you to you, our members, viewers, and listeners. Here we are learning out loud together on show 236 with the work of Brené Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. And it all started with a call to seek out connection. It continued with the idea of become aware not numb and to know that with those three steps we can truly turn vulnerability into a superpower do this and you can truly be the person that does step into the arena the person that is prepared to get their ass kicked because if you do that you'll learn you'll grow you'll become the best version of yourself and that is exactly what we're about here on the moonshots podcast that's a wrap